Sunday number one of 52 this year. Week number one of 52 this year as we start a new year. Maybe you have put down some new goals, some new resolutions. You know, almost half of Americans will set resolutions at the beginning of a new year, things they want to do better in 2019 than they did in 2018. If you're one of those, I bet one of the goals that you set is one of the one that I'm going to read because a magazine by the name of Business Insider kind of collaborated all the New Year's resolutions that people submit online, and they said there are seven that are really common to people. Perhaps some of these are yours today. The first New Year's resolution, the most common New Year's resolutions among Americans is to eat healthier. Perhaps that's because it comes right after Christmas cookies as you were eating your donut this morning. You were probably thinking, you know what, this year I need to eat a little healthier. The second was to pick up a new skill a new hobby. The third was to exercise more. If you own a gym or a club, you are ecstatic because this time of year, everyone is going to commit to work out. And in about a month, they'll all go away, but you can keep their money. Um, A lot of people commit to read more books, get some kind of extended education, further their education. Uh, Number five, people want to save more and spend less. They want to get their finances together. Number six is people want to get organized in life. They kind of want to declutter and get organized. And number seven is they want to practice self-care. They want to take better care of themselves. If you're a goal setter, if you've set some New Year's resolutions, some of those are probably on your list. Here's what research says. 80% of all people who set New Year's resolutions will not even make it to Valentine's Day before they drop all of them. Eight out of 10 won't even get six weeks before they decide, you know what, I'm not going to do any of these things. Who I am is who I am. My life will always look the same. However, research says that if people keep even one, just one, of any New Year's resolution that they ever set, just one that their life could be radically transformed by just making one dynamic change. That's our goal for you spiritually, that you set one spiritual goal and through trying to achieve this one spiritual goal, you have dramatic change in your life spiritually. It's gonna be our series all month long at Journey. It's called Goals. That's our thought. We want you to set one goal and here's the goal we want you to set. We want you to discover God's purpose for your life. That's the one goal. We think if you can achieve that goal, discovering God's purpose for your life, it can radically transform your life. And we're going to start by looking in the book of Hosea on how to kind of pursue that. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to the book of Hosea. We're going to be in chapter six for our Bible study time today. If you have your bulletin, you can take the notes out of it so you can follow along and take notes as we go or fire up your Journey Church International app. Everything on the screen will be in your handheld device. If you listen that way, for those of you who are watching online with us from anywhere in the world, thanks for being with us in Lee Summit today for church. Hosea is a really interesting guy. In the Old Testament, his book is the first of the minor prophets. You say, what does that mean? He wasn't super important. No, it just means his book was short. There are 12 minor prophet books in the Old Testament. They follow the big prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. The only thing that makes them minor is their books are much, much shorter. And Hosea's world, Hosea's backdrop might sound familiar to some of you as we get ready to jump into his book because here's the story of Hosea. Hosea prophesied over a period of more than 45 years in Israel that can be described as a period of utter political chaos. That was the world he lived in. At the time, Israel had had a civil war and they were divided. The northern half of the country was called Israel. The southern half of the country was called Judah. During the 45 years that Hosea was a prophet, Israel, the northern kingdom, had six kings. Four of them were assassinated. 
crazy political chaos. In the southern kingdom, it was even worse. The southern kings of Judah had begun sacrificing their firstborn sons to the fire in order to appease the gods of the nations that were attacking them and defeating them. They thought maybe if we give them our kids that the gods of those nations will will leave us alone. Sheer political chaos. And here's, here's what had happened. Israel was a nation founded on God. Israel was a nation founded by God. Like Israel was supposed to be God's people in God's land doing God's work. That was like the whole goal of this thought of Israel. And instead, once they got to their place and they got their kings in place, the people of Israel became a whole lot more about king and country than about God. And they thought as long as we got a king and as long as we got our land, like God may or may not be a part of the equation. I don't know that it's a big deal. But when king and country were threatened, when king and country were in chaos, when the security of being an Israelite kind of faded and you weren't sure what kind of world your grandkids were going to grow up in and the kings kept kind of declining more and more spiritually, the people said, you know what, maybe we got this wrong. Maybe life isn't all about king and country. Maybe life is about God and we need to return our glimpse there. That was the message of Hosea. Now that everything else has fallen apart, hey, maybe we should return to God. And we see that in Hosea chapter 6. We're only going to read three verses today. Before we do that, can you just bow your head real quickly and can you ask, can you just whisper a prayer from your heart to heaven? Can you ask God to speak to your heart today? And can you tell him you'll be listening? The word of God for the people of God can be powerful if we'll pay attention to it. So ask God to speak to your heart. Tell him him that you'll listen to what he has to say today. God, speak to our hearts. Show us what you want us to see. Tell us what you want us to hear. We'll try to listen. We'll try to apply your truth in a powerful way. We love you. We see things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says this Come and let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Hosea's prophecy would tell the people, listen, king and country are in chaos. Your life may be in chaos, but return to Jesus and you will find stability. Maybe as you have ended 2018 and started 2019, your world feels a bit chaotic. Your world feels a bit unstable. The job that you thought you would have forever feels unstable. The marriage that always felt so good and happy feels unstable. Your kids that were always obedient and got good grades seem a little unstable. Your health that you've never even thought about has become a little unstable. And there there are now cracks in your security. There are cracks in your stability. And you find yourself living in anxiety, living in worry, wondering if 2019 is going to be as bad or worse than 2018. And Hosea is saying, if you are someone whose world feels a bit chaotic, return to Jesus, you will find stability in him. I want to, before I kind of tell you how you can return to Jesus, follow Jesus this year, I want to look at this text and give you three thoughts to consider because there's some powerful truth in these three little verses that I think everyone needs to be aware of today. The first is this, you can only return to the Lord because of Jesus. I don't know if you mentioned it, but Hosea basically 
challenged the people to return to the Lord. But then he said, that's only going to be possible through Jesus. You might say, I didn't see the name Jesus anywhere in the text. You're right, but look more closely and let me ask you some questions. Look at verses 1 and 2. Hosea said, come and let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. You might say, Christian, I don't see anything about Jesus in that text. Let me ask you a few questions. Look at verse 1. Here's the first trivia question of the day. For those of you who have grown up or maybe around church, for those of you who have grown up around Christianity, for those of you who maybe have some parochial school in your background, here's my first question for you today as we search for Jesus in the text. Who was torn and injured so we could be healed and made healthy? Anybody? Jesus was. So we see Jesus in verse 1. Look at verse 2. We read verse 2, who was restored on the third day so that we could live in the presence of God? The answer again is Jesus. So we see Jesus written into the text of the Old Testament anywhere we stop to acknowledge it. And Hosea says you can return to the Lord, but only because in the future Jesus is coming. Here's what we need to understand. It was Jesus who was punished for our sin. He was torn. He was injured so we could be healed. And he was resurrected for our life on the third day. And that is what allows us to live in God's presence. So as we try to return to the Lord this year, as we try to discover God's purpose for our life, our 2019 spiritual goals must be the pursuit of a person, not just spiritual things. What we have to be chasing in 2019 is a person, and his name is Jesus. We can't have goals to just be more spiritual. We have to have goals to know Jesus. We can't just have goals to be more emotionally healthy, to be more at peace. We have to have goals to know Jesus. We can't just have goals that revolve around religion. I want to go to church more. I want to be involved in church. I want to serve people. We must have goals to pursue Jesus. We can't even have a pursuit of spiritual impact or spiritual depth. I want to do more or learn more. We have to have a goal of pursuing Jesus. If we want to discover God's purpose for our life this year, we have to discover Jesus because Hosea says we can only return to the Lord. We can only draw close to the Lord through Jesus. He's the one who helps us do that. Second thought. Hosea says those who love Jesus desire to know the Lord more deeply. So Hosea tells the people, you've got to return to the Lord. But then he says this to them. For those of you who are trying to return to the Lord, he said those who desire to know, those who love Jesus desire to know the Lord more deeply. And he gives us this verse in the first part of verse 3. He says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Those of us who understand a Savior was torn and injured so we could be healed and healthy. Those of us who understand a Savior was revived on the third day so that we could live in the presence of Jesus. Those of us like that, we are trying to acknowledge the Lord. This word acknowledge is a really interesting Hebrew word because it means to know with a desire and a need to know more. This word acknowledge, let us acknowledge the Lord, means let us know the Lord in a way that leaves us wanting to know more about the Lord. 
Let us try to find out something about Jesus that will leave us wanting to know more about Jesus. Let me give you this picture of it in case you're not tracking with me. In 2004, I had some friends who were dying to get me to watch this show that they had become addicted to. I didn't watch a little TV, uh, much TV back then, just sports on TV. But there was a show out called 24 that had come out in 2001, starring Kiefer Sutherland as this agent named Jack Bauer. And Christian, you've got to watch this show. You'll love it. And I'm like, I don't have time for this show. And they're like, just watch one. So like at 10.30 one night, Danielle and I sat down with the full season like DVD set before Netflix, before streaming, before Hulu. like you had to pop it in and press play. And 24 hours later, we finished the first season. Like, like literally 20, like my first binge watching session of my life, I may have taken the next two days off and watched season two and three just to catch up. Because every time you got to the end of the episode... You had to know about the next episode. You couldn't watch one without wanting to know so much more about the next one. And Hosea says that's the way Christianity works. Every time you open a door and find out something about Jesus, you have to walk through the next one to continue to know more about Jesus. Those who love Jesus already desire to know more about him, which really messed up my week this week. Because this is the second sermon I put together. Tuesday is my sermon preparation day. On those days, I'll lock myself in my office for 8, 10, 12 hours, however long I need to, to pull together all the research that I've laid out to put together a message, and I won't leave until I've preached it two or three times. I won't check my email. I won't return text messages. I I won't take phone calls. I'll just sit and prepare what I'm going to bring to you, and then when I finally get done with it, I'll ship everything off to our team, and they'll build the PowerPoint and the notes and all those things, and I got to the end of that kind of 10-hour process on Tuesday. I preached the message three times. And I walked upstairs to Danielle and I just said, I don't think that's the message I'm supposed to preach. Like I've been working all day. I've had for months, I've been accumulating this information to put together and I've made this message. And here was my message. It was a message to motivate you to have a desire to know Jesus. And as I wrestled with it, God finally said, that's not your job. That's my job. My job is to give people desire to know Jesus. Your job is to help people with a desire to know Jesus. Your job is to lay out some steps for how they can do that. It's like, so Lord, I got to make another message. And he's like, yeah, you got, you got to make another message. So this is my second message this week. Because God told me that those of you who love Jesus, you already have a desire to know him more. You don't need me to give you that desire. You just need me to give you some steps to accomplish that. Most Christians don't need to be motivated to know Jesus more deeply. They just need to be shown how. So what I'm going to attempt to do the next two weeks is show you how this year... You can pursue Jesus in a way that helps you discover God's purpose for your life, but you also need to understand desire isn't enough. I mean, you know this. Desiring to lose weight doesn't help you lose weight if you don't do anything by the time you get to Valentine's Day. Desiring to work out doesn't do anything if you don't get up and go to the gym. Desiring to further your education doesn't do anything if you don't stay with the class. I mean, desire doesn't do anything. And Hosea says, you need to have more than desire. You need to add to desire some effort, some hard work. So Hosea will say in thought number three, only when desire turns to daily determination Will we truly know Jesus more deeply? Only when our desire actually has some feet on it and every day gets up to do some, only when desire turns to daily determination will we truly know Jesus more deeply. Look at the rest of verse 3. Hosea says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Every time we find out something about Jesus, we're going to have a desire to learn more about Jesus. So he says, we got to do this. So let us press. If you have your Bible open, you might circle that word press. Let us press on to acknowledge him. 
As surely as the sun rises, you might circle that word, surely, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He'll come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Two words to understand. Hosea says, you want to acknowledge the Lord, you have to press to do that. That word press means to work diligently to follow. It means to work hard. It means to put forth effort. So I've got a desire to know Jesus. Great. You now have to work hard to fulfill that desire. Say, I want to know more about Jesus. That's great. But you have to work hard. You have to press to do that. It doesn't just happen because you want it. You have to press. You say, well, if I will press to do that, can you guarantee me that I will know Jesus more? If I press to do that, can you guarantee me Jesus will show up in your life? Hosea says, I can guarantee that as surely as the sun is going to rise, surely could be stated as consistently. You say, how often will Jesus show up in my life if I work hard to know him? Let me ask you this question. How often, how many days this week do you think the sun is going to rise? The answer is all of them. Right? Like even those of us who have sleep phobias, has anyone in the room ever not been able to fall asleep because you were scared to death that when you wake up, the sun won't come up? Like have you ever had a day in your life where you thought, I just don't think the sun is going to come up? Even Annie told us, right? The sun will come up tomorrow. Like... The sun will come up tomorrow. That, like she's reading a Bible verse. You say, how can I know? How consistent will Jesus be if I press to know him? As consistent as the sun. You say, well, how, how can I know that Jesus will produce in me what I want to have produced? Just like the crops of the world that we live in in the Midwestern United States are planted in the spring and harvested in the fall. As consistently as that happens, Jesus will produce fruit in your life. You will grow spiritually if you work hard to know him. But Hosea says you have to work hard every day. You've got to be consistent. Every week, you've got to be consistent. Every month, you've got to be consistent. And if you will work hard, Jesus will show up. And if you work hard, you will grow up. Those are the promises of Hosea chapter 6 verse 3. So if we've got a goal of discovering God's purpose for our life this year, if we want that to become a reality, we've got to pursue Jesus. You say, how do we do that? The next two weeks, starting today, I'm going to give you 19 commitments to consider making spiritually for 2019. 19 spiritual commitments to consider making spiritually for 2019. You say, you've got to be crazy. 19, some of you are already doing all 19. All they are is a walk with Jesus. But some of you desire to know Jesus, you just don't know how. And as we go over this list, here's my hope for you, that as I read one or two or three of these, that as I read them and one of them grabs your heart, that you think, I'm going to do that. Because I think if you do any of the 10 today, if you do any of the nine next week, if you do any, just even one of the 19 the next two weeks, I believe you're going to press on to know the Lord and I believe he's going to show up consistently in your life and I believe you're going to grow up spiritually. But I want to give you 10 things we're going to have to fly, so get ready. Number one, 19 commitments to consider in 2019. Number one, connect with scripture every day. If you only keep one spiritual commitment this year, keep this one. Connect with scripture every day. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed to God and he asked God to help his followers. And he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. The word sanctify means to set apart from something to something. Here's what sanctification looks like. It means from moving where you are spiritually towards God. Moving away from who you used to be and to who God wants you to be. You say, I want to move from where I am towards God. How do I do that? Jesus said, God's truth, God's word. Scripture will do that for you. So if you only make one spiritual commitment this year, commit 
to connect with scripture every day. We've got a couple ways for you to do that. As you leave today, you'll see these Bible reading plans because a lot of people say, I'd like to do that. I don't know how. We've got one that's read the Bible through in a year. I don't know if you know this, but if you read the Bible for 12 minutes every day in 365 days, you will have read the entire Bible 12 minutes a day. That's a big chunk for a lot of people. You're like, I don't know that I could read the entire Bible. We've got it all laid out one day at a time. Because that's such a big leap, we've also got the New Testament. Just read the New Testament this year. If you read your Bible three minutes a day, For five days a week, which means you get to miss two. You'll read through the entire New Testament in a week. But either way, choose to connect with Scripture every year. You say, Christian, that's still too much. Then read a proverb every day. Read whatever proverb it is the day of the week. So today is January 6th. Read Proverbs 6. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 7. Guess what? On February, you get three days off. Like every day of your life, connect with Scripture You see, I think even that is too much. Let me give you this challenge, bottom line based challenge. I want to challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. If you will go to your app store, you can download for free the greatest Bible app there is, the YouVersion Bible app, and you can go to the notifications and this will send you a Bible verse every morning. You can have it sent to your home screen. You can have it emailed to you. I have both. When I woke up this morning, there was a verse waiting on my home screen, Philippians 4.13 from the YouVersion Bible. When I checked my email, it was also in there. Every day connect with scripture at the very least. Ask an app to send you one a day and just read it. Every day connect with scripture. Number two, pray intentionally every day. And here's why I put intentionally. I'm not talking about at meals. I think you should pray over meals. I'm not talking about before bed with your kids. I think you should pray before bed with your kids. I'm talking about in life situations, I want to challenge you to invite God in. And in three particular areas, I want to challenge you to whisper a prayer. And here's why. In Luke 18, 1, It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus would tell his disciples a parable that said this, when you're worried, pray. When you're anxious, pray. When you're afraid, pray. When you don't know what to do, pray. When you feel like giving up, just pray. Let all of those things challenge you to pray. I want to challenge you this year to learn to whisper these three prayers very intentionally. The first one is this, help me, Lord. You say, when? When you need his help. When you're walking into a meeting that you're not sure how how it's going to go, take a deep breath and just pray, help me, Lord. Very intentionally invite the Lord into that situation. When you're flying down the highway, driving too fast, and you see the lights behind you coming up, it's like, help me, Lord. Help this guy to have reached his quota or whatever they do to give me a warning instead of a ticket. Help me, Lord. Anytime you feel overwhelmed, deep breath, three words, help me, Lord. Pray that very intentionally this year. I would also challenge you to pray the second prayer, be with me, Lord. Be with me, Lord. When you're walking into a meeting and you're not sure how it's going to go, the boss has called you to the office and things have not been going well. Deep breath. Be with me, Lord. When you have a difficult conversation that you have to have with your spouse or with an employee or with one of your kids, deep breath. Be with me, Lord. When you feel alone and you're driving home from a really bad day at work and you feel all alone like no one in the world is there or aware of you, deep breath. Be with me, Lord. I want to challenge you to intentionally pray that prayer. And then this third one, show me what to do here, Lord. Show me what to do here, Lord. Sometimes you're going to pray this in the middle of conversations. You're going to be having a conversation with someone who says something that offends you. And your first response is going to be to want to punch back. And you're going to take a deep breath and say, okay, show me what to do here, Lord. Somebody's going to ask you a question spiritually you don't know how to answer. 
You're going to take a deep breath, say, show me what to do here, Lord. You're going to have a a difficult student in the classroom that you're overseeing. You're going to take a deep breath, say, show me what to do here, Lord. You're going to have a difficult client phone call. Show me what to do here, Lord. Intentionally begin to invite Jesus into every situation of your life. Let me challenge you to consider that this year. Number three, let me challenge you to consider listening to Christian music or worship music every morning. I'm not asking this, asking you to make this your only music diet. I'm not asking you to listen to only Christian music. I'm not asking you to take a 40-day challenge. I'm asking you just in the morning, specifically from when you wake up to when you start work or as you go through the chaos of the morning, to have some Christian music or worship music playing. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3. He says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. So Jeremiah says, Every morning I remind myself, God is there and he's good, and I can hope in him. So I want to challenge you to set the course of your day with some Christian music or worship music. You say, I I wouldn't even know where to find that. Three radio stations that you can dial just one of the stations on your dashboard to as you head to work. Uh, FM 97.3, FM 88.5, 91.9. Those are all Christian music stations that hopefully can just help set your spiritual mood a little bit. If you do streaming music more than listening to the radio, Spotify, just build a playlist. Search Christian worship music. If you're old school like me, my kids make fun of me. I listen to Pandora, not Spotify. You can search Christian worship music. If you have the JCI app that you take notes on on Sunday morning, that has all the worship music we sing. The songs we sang today are in that. You can go to worship music and let that play for you. If you have Google or Alexa and you talk to them in the morning, tell them, Google, play some Christian worship music. Alexa, play some Christian worship music. And they'll just turn it on for you. But give the first parts of your morning to God and let the spirit of music and worship saturate your soul. Consider making that commitment. Number four, I want to challenge you to consider confessing sin and repenting of it immediately all year long. We often do this at times in our life when it's a big deal. But I want to challenge you to confess sin and repent immediately all year long. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I want to challenge you the minute you say the word that Christians shouldn't say. The minute you say it, ask God to forgive you. God, forgive me. I know I shouldn't have said that word. The minute you look at something Christians should not be looking at. Stop and say, Lord, forgive me. I know I shouldn't be looking at that. The minute you listen to something Christians shouldn't listen to, just stop immediately and say, Lord, forgive me for putting that garbage in my head. I know I'm not supposed to do that. The minute you say something to your wife, you should never say, stop and ask God to forgive you or your husband or your kids or at work. The minute you cut someone off in traffic and wave at them with one finger, stop and say, Lord, forgive me for doing that. I know I should not do that. And then if you have a Jesus bumper sticker, take it off so that they don't get the wrong impression. See, if, if we will do this immediately, eventually we are going to get tired of our sin. I mean, when we ask God to forgive us 36 times in the same day for, for, for saying the F word, some point we're going to think I should probably stop saying that because three times an hour every time John calls I'm asking God to forgive me of that or whoever it is in your world that makes you want to say things that you shouldn't say if we will confess and repent immediately all of a sudden we'll become aware of our sin 
We'll become aware of God and we'll begin to look more like Jesus. So confess sin and repent of it immediately all year long. Consider number five, beginning to journal what God is teaching you through life experiences, through daily scripture reading, through sermons, through friends, through the verse of the day that you have sent to you on your app. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter six. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads and write them. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I want to challenge you. Begin to write down what God is teaching. You say, Christian, I... I wouldn't even know how to do that. I don't know. I'd like to journal. I don't know how on the back of both of our Bible reading plans, we've got a very simple journaling method called the SOAP method that you can follow. S stands for scripture. O stands for observation. A stands for application. P stands for prayer. I get a verse of the day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I write that scripture verse down. Observation. If God will help me, I can do anything. Application. God, help me to believe that with your help, I can do anything. Prayer. God, I pray that you'll help me do this thing I'm doing today. Journaling can become very easily if you have a guide to it. And on the back of this We give you that guide so you can begin to reflect on moments with God as you are in pursuit of Jesus. Consider that. Number six, consider beginning to pray for one friend that needs Jesus in their lives. Consider beginning to pray for one friend that needs Jesus in their lives. I believe one of the most convicting verses in the Bible is 1 Timothy 2.1. I want to show it to you and then I want to show you why. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Paul says all people. Paul says every human being alive should have somebody praying for them. So let me ask you a question. Those of you who are married to someone who's not a Christian, who prayed for them this week if you didn't? Those of you who have children who aren't Christians, who prayed for them this week if you didn't? Those of you who have parents who aren't Christians, who prayed for them this week if you didn't? That person at work that drives you crazy because they're so off the rails spiritually, God says, my wish is that somebody on planet earth would be praying for him or who. Who's praying for them if you're not? Paul says, God wants someone to pray for every person on planet earth. Who in your life has nobody praying for them because you are the only Christian who even knows their name? What if you would begin praying for them this year? You heard Pastor Brandon talk about all the spiritual decisions that were made. For me, spiritual decisions are a big deal. I don't know totally what they mean, so I celebrate a little bit that God is moving in someone's hearts. But when I talk to someone who brought a friend, who brought a family member, who brought a neighbor that they've been praying for for years, and I see the light in their eyes, I started praying for them years ago, and they finally came, and they made a decision to start taking steps towards Jesus. That really gets me fired up because they're beginning to see prayer works, evangelism works, outreach works. Friendship works. Helping people works. Begin to pray. Consider beginning to pray for one friend that needs Jesus in their lives this year. Consider number seven, sharing your spiritual story with one person this year. Most Christians will never talk to anybody but Christians about what Jesus has done in their life. They'll share it in their baptism in front of a church full of Christians. They'll talk about it at small group in a room full of Christians. They might even have an accountability partner that they talk to who is also 
a Christian. They might even be in some Facebook group that is filled with Christians, but most people will never talk about their spiritual story with someone who's not a Christian. But First Chronicles 16.8 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and make known his deeds among the peoples. Talk to people about what God is doing in your life. I want to challenge you this year. Pick a friend and at some point share your spiritual story with them. Here's what God has done in my life. Talk about God's deeds in your life. Consider committing to that this year. Number eight, consider committing to an intentional family spiritual moment each week. Committing to an intentional family spiritual moment each week where your family gathers either to pray, to talk, to read a a chapter of the Bible, to talk about a verse. Carve out an intentional family spiritual moment each week. Listen to Nehemiah 4.14. Nehemiah is one of my favorite leaders in the Bible. He was a soldier who was also a construction worker. He rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem after they'd been destroyed in war. He had families because they were understaffed. Moms and dads and kids all helped basically rebuild the wall that was in front of their house so they could do it together. And he said this in Nehemiah 4.14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Nehemiah says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your families. Hey, mom and dad, who are you counting on to gather your kids each week for a spiritual moment, if not you? Who's gonna ever put your family together spiritually and have an intentional time of spiritual growth, if, if not you? I wanna challenge you. Get together for 10 or 15 minutes, just once a week, after dinner, before bed, early in the morning, and just touch base with everyone. How's everyone doing? How's school going? Who wants to quit their soccer team? Who failed a test? Who's worried about this? Who broke up with who? Just talk. Let them in your world. Have a moment of spiritual connection with your family every week. You could even go a step further, number nine, and you could consider this commitment, praying with your spouse and children at least once a week. Praying with your spouse out loud together once a week. Say, what are we going to pray about? The things you're worried about. After you have the conversation about we need to cut back, we need to figure out how to get out of debt, stop and say, Lord, help us figure out how to get out of debt. Amen. Just bring him into the conversation. When you talk about, hey, you know, do we get a new car or do we try to get another 25,000 miles on this car? We really don't know what to do. Stop and pray and say, Lord, give us wisdom on what to do with our car. As you're trying to figure out where your kids are going to go to college and you sit up talking, are they going to get in? How much scholarship money will they, will they get if they do get in? And should they go to junior college for a year or two or community college? Just stop after that conversation and say, Lord, help us understand what we're supposed to do with our... Just bring Jesus into every conversation you have in prayer. And if you have children, once a week, pray with your kids. Say, Christian, I wouldn't know how to do that. If you go to church here and you have children in the nursery through fifth grade level... We have a way for you that is awesome because we use at our church a curriculum called Orange and Orange has a parent partnership app called the Parent Q that you can download. I want to challenge you if you're parents of an elementary all the way down to one-year-old in our church to download this Parent Q app because we have it connected with our church that literally you can go home today. Our kids' ministry can help you figure out how to do this. You can pull up this week's lesson. You can watch the video your kids watched. It'll give you one or two questions to ask them to see if they remembered or learned anything. And then it'll tell you a prayer to pray over them. They will think you're the Pope. Like when you pull that out, they'll be like, 
my mom and dad know everything spiritually about me. Like, and all you'll have to do is learn how to use a smartphone. If you can learn how to use a smartphone, your kids will think that, that you know everything spiritually because you'll be able to join in their world. All you got to be able to do is use a smartphone to be able to lead your family spiritually. And then number 10, here's my last big challenge to kind of kick off into this week. I want to challenge you to come up with one word to describe your hopes and your goals for 2019 and then post it on social media or share it with a friend or coworker. Our church has done this the last four years. We've just called it JCI One Word. And we've asked all our people to be super intentional about their spiritual goals, their spiritual growth, their spiritual vision for their life. We've said, hey, just pick a word and say, this year, this is going to be my word spiritually. If that were you, what would your word be? Our staff has all videoed themselves in a little 15-second clip saying, here's my word and here's why. They're going to share that on social media this week, so maybe you can begin to think about your word. But wouldn't it be cool if every Christian in our city would this week go on social media and say, I'm going to live intentionally spiritually this year? And here's my goal for my life spiritually this year. In one word, here's what I want God to do in me. What could your word be? We'd love you to wrestle through that, pray through that, figure out a word, and then post it on social media with the hashtag JCI1Word19. Next week, we'll bring all those to you, and we'll tell you what our church, where our church is moving spiritually, what our church hopes and dreams are next year. Why? Because we want to discover God's purpose for our life. But our pursuit has to be a person, and his name is Jesus. And Hosea says we have to work hard to know Jesus. We have to work hard. We have to put in some effort. We got to be consistent. We got to do things every day, every week, every month. We got to work hard. Here's how he says it in his words in the New Living Translations. He says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. That's our goal. Oh, that we might know the Lord, but we got to press on to know him. He'll respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn. No one ever doesn't think the sun's going to come up. He'll respond as surely as the coming of the rains in the early spring. We know that's going to happen. So if you're a Christian, this desire is already in your spirit. But it has to move from your spirit to your schedule. It has to move from want to to will. I actually will have some movement this year. Through daily commitments that you're considering, through hard work, it's my prayer that you'll know Jesus and you'll begin seeing him as consistently in your life as the sun raises every day. And you'll begin seeing some fruit in your life as consistent as the spring rains produce fruit. I believe if you'll do that, he'll show up. But you got to work hard. Would you pray with me as we consider these commitments?